Hello and welcome back to Those 80s Gays with Danny P. Warner. I'm your host. I've been a little bit absent lately. Oh, I can't even talk right. I've been a little bit absent lately, so I have been so busy with work. It has been ridiculous, guys. I've obviously changed jobs about two months ago, so I'm in a new company now. And I've now changed roles and I'm acting as my boss while she's away. So there's so much going on, so much brain power needed. And uh, let me tell you, it's such a fantastic opportunity, but there's so much work to it. So apologies for being a bit absent. I've um, been busy with my head down trying to work. Oh, and let me tell you, I am so glad. For anyone that doesn't live in Brisbane, so we call it the Ecker. I feel like because, you know, I don't know what other states call it. I think they call it the Royal Show. We call it the Ecker because, you know, Brisbane, I love Brisbane. It's my island home. It's where I grew up, but we are a little bit country. We're a little bit backwards. Um, And we hold on to like, you know, Sharon is Shazza, Gary is Gaza. Like we're so Ocker in some respects. So the Ekka is basically the royal show. It's called the exhibition, but we call it the Ekka. And I live very close to the Ekka. And I've lived in this apartment now for six years. When the when I first moved in here and the Ecker was on, I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, I can't wait. I get to watch the fireworks every night from my balcony and, you know, my um, full glass windows in my bedroom. I can lie in bed at night and be serenaded to bed by the, you know, beautiful light show. I was loving it for the first couple of days And then I quickly realised how much of a pain in the arse living right near the Ecker is. Not only do you get a fireworks show every night, which is great the first night, it's all like spectacular and then you're over it because it's just noisy. It becomes a mission on the weekend to get in and out of your street because everyone parks their car up and down your street and they double park They park over the driveways, so it's a pain in the ass for that. Also, there are some apartments in my apartment complex that are a hotel-styled apartment. So there's a few apartments scattered through our building where you can basically, like, you know, rent an apartment for the night. It's a hotel as well. And we get a lot of carny folk that obviously come for the Ecker staying in our building. So I get in the lift and it smells like cows and horses because all the carnies that are staying there doing all their like horsey stuff and cow stuff and they trudge back through to the apartment and get in the lift. And like literally, no joke, I walk out of the lift into the hallway and walk down the hallway to my apartment. And there is hay on the floor in my communal hallway. Hay, can you believe it? Hay, like actual hay. Like I'm basically living in a CBD, but feels like I'm living in a rural, rural outback Australia. Who, who lives in the CBD and finds hay 
Anyway, I digress. I'm going to get over the hay. But all I can say is I'm very thankful the Ecker is over. This is most likely the last time I'm going to be living in this apartment when the Ecker rolls through. So I'm good with that. I'm good with that. We did have the Eka public holiday last Wednesday, which was fabulous. I got to do so much stuff because it's not a public holiday statewide in one hit. Um, like the Redland Shire Council has their public holiday on a Monday, but Brisbane City Council has their public holiday on a Wednesday. So I could get stuff done, like I could take my car to VW down in the Redlands, and oddly enough, I have been, I think I mentioned in a podcast ages ago that I've been wanting to buy sound bars for the TVs. So I'm at VW last Wednesday, which is right next door to JB Hi-Fi. Um, I had some other errands to run. So I went to the bank. I did some banking, um, did all that kind of stuff. And then I came back to JB Hi-Fi and I'm checking out this sound bar that I'd done a lot of research on because I'm not a expert in sound bars. I'm not an expert in really anything, but when I'm interested in something, I put my mind to it and I become an expert in it. As Ramona from the Real Housewives of New York says, I become a maven in the topic. I'm a maven. So I go to JB Hi-Fi. I say to this guy, I want this Bose soundbar. I've checked it out. I really like it. Ra 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 ra. And he said, okay, cool, cool, cool. Sells me these Bose soundbars. I get home, which is like a 30 minute drive home. I'm pulling them out of the boxes. No manual, no remote control, no cords, just a speaker. And I'm like, surely this can't be right. Like, surely, I know they're expensive, but surely I don't have to buy the cords and everything on top of the actual purchase of the speaker. So I rang JB Hi-Fi, told them the situation. No, they'd sold me boxes, which display boxes that basically just had the speakers in them. So uh, that was the end of my public holiday ruined a little bit because I had a hair appointment at 5 p.m. And by this stage, it's like four. And I had to get back to JB Hi-Fi, do a replacement and get back to James Street where I get my hair done by five o'clock. So it was a very, very, it started off very relaxed. It ended up very hectic. And anyway, anyway, so that's enough about soundbars. Needless to say, the soundbars are now up and running. They sound amazing. And Maya Kalpa, Maya Kalpa. What else is happening in my life at the moment? Oh, um, I'm so looking forward to, okay. So, well, I'm actually not looking forward to drinking when I say drinking, I just mean socialising. So I've started having um, Thursday night catch-ups on our rooftop gardens here in my apartment complex every Thursday night, obviously. So we've got a community Facebook page for our building and I post on there, you know, whoever wants to come up from 7pm, have a drink. I take a cup of tea up because I'm not drinking at the moment. That's another story we'll get into very soon. But do you know what? Like I'm coming to the end of living in this apartment building and like it really is coming to an end. I, I need to be moving. And I've realised how much I'm going to miss my fabulous little community here. Like there's so, uh, there's just so many great people in my building and we are such a tight knit community. I mean, when you've lived here for, I've been here six years, I'd say most of us have been here between say like two to 10 years. I think the building's about 10 years old. 
Um, and there's some people here that are quite tenured within the building, but we're, re we're really like a tight community. And I wish I had have gotten onto organising these Thursday night catch-ups on the rooftop much earlier because I really enjoy everyone in the building and I enjoy that sense of community. And I really think that living in the CBD, and I'm speaking for myself here, but being single, living in the CBD where it's very fast paced, having a very fast paced job, it is really nice to embrace a community spirit. And I'm very lucky that we've got that in the building. And that's the only thing I'm going to miss about living in this building is the community spirit. Because let me tell you, the building managers are shit. But that's a whole nother topic. And that's something we can take offline later and talk about. I don't really feel like that needs to be on a podcast. But anyway, that's, um, yeah, I wish I had have gotten onto these Thursday night drinks. My whole reason behind not drinking at the moment. Okay. So a couple of weekends ago, I went to our hens night and I, I went quite late. I got there at about 10 o'clock and I was home by midnight. So it was not a very long night, but it was a very big night. So I hadn't done any pre-drinking for the hens night, nothing at all. I get to the hens night. I had maybe four vodka lime and sodas because we had table service and the lady was just standing there the whole night with the cart of, you know, Belvedere, jugs of soda water, jugs of lemonade. So I was just on the vodka lime and sodas, skinny bitches, as they were famously made named by Victoria Reese from the Real Housewives of Sydney. We were drinking skinny bitches all night. Listen, you know, and four drinks, which is four shots in, you know, four shots in four drinks in two hours. That's not going to get anyone messed up. I left Mr. Mister in the valley, absolutely paralytic. And I was stumbling down the street, being sick, really quite scared. Like I, I've obviously been around a while. I'm not new. Like, you know, <laughs> this isn't my first rodeo. I've, I've had many nights out much bigger than that, but I was so scared. I was really struggling to walk. I couldn't hold a sentence. Strangers on a street ended up putting me in a taxi and sending me home. I managed to get out where I lived. I was very, very ill that night. I was very, very ill the next morning. And I was so concerned and convinced that my drink had been spiked. I, I didn't feel hung over the next day. And that was the thing. Like if you have a big night out, you feel hung over the next day. Like you're generally a bit dusty, you know, uh, dehydrated, that kind of stuff. I didn't feel that at all. I actually felt ill, like, I don't know, ill. Like there was physically something wrong with me, not a hangover, ill. So I'm convinced my drink was spiked. And I ended up catching up with my friends that I'd been at the hen's night with. And I said, I've been so sick since the hen's night. I think my drink was spiked. No, my drink was not spiked. They reminded me, which is, this is a fact I forgot about, 
I went to the bar, bought the table a round of fireball shots, and there was about 10 of us there. So I've bought 10 fireball shots, wandered back to the table, placed a fireball shot down for everyone. No one that I was with drinks fireball, except for one of the boys. He had two shots. Great. Now I've still got eight shots left. I then, apparently, allegedly, allegedly, because I can't remember this, but allegedly I shot eight shots of fireball in a row. Hence why I must have been so sick. So I don't know. Do you know what? I'm now like self-reflection within the next couple of days after that. I'm 38 years old. I'm moving things in a slightly different direction with my life these days. I just think my time of going out and getting wasted is over. I just want to make something very clear though. I have never been the kind of person that goes out consistently and gets wasted. I will socially drink with friends and have a good time. And that's as far as I go. I'm I'm certainly not a weak drinker. Like I don't come home of an evening from work and open a bottle of wine and put, I'm just not that kind of person. I'm a very, very, very light drinker and it's only on social occasions. But I just think to myself, I think it's time I just stepped back. Like I just don't want to be, I'm 38. I want to be able to go out and have a good time when I want to have a good time, but I'm actually really over going out to clubs in the valley you know, I'm a bit more tentative about my safety and things like that. And I just don't want to put myself in those positions anymore. So for the moment, I'm not saying forever, but for the moment, I am no longer drinking. I'm loving it. And I'm not really going out for big nights out anymore. I've I've moved in a different direction with different people where I have people over quite often. My friends come over and we'll have like dinner here or I go to their house and we'll have dinner there. So I'm still being very social. I'm just not drinking and I'm not hitting, you know, clubs or anything like that. It's just, I just feel like it's not my scene anymore. Maybe not forever. Maybe I'll want to go out one day and have, you know, a, a big night out. I'm not going to stop myself if I want to, but I'm not actively planning. What do you guys think? Do you guys think there's a certain age cutoff where you just kind of go, I'm a little bit over it. All my friends are around the same age as me and most of them are fairly much in the same situation. And do you know what? When you work as much as, well, I do at the moment, the last thing I want to do is waste my weekend by not feeling great. So yeah, we're not drinking. I'm not drinking. So I'm also spending a fair amount of time over at my mama's at the moment. She's obviously, my mum is still quite in that grieving process from losing her little friend, her little pug, Poppy. And like, I think of Poppy every day and I think of my own little pug that I lost a few years ago, Jeannie. I wish they were here every day. I know the pain that I went through when I lost Jeannie. It was debilitating. Like I have lost people in my life, but I have never experienced such a loss as to when I lost Jeannie. So I understand the loss that my mum is going through at the moment. And, you know, like my mum's been retired for a few years now and she's 
on her own. So the dog was like her constant companion. So I'm trying to get over to mum's house as much as I can to, you know, prep her up and pep her up, not prep her up. Um, but just to keep her company and keep her going. And I also want to make sure she's staying active. I don't want her mellowing in a state of, you know, a bit of depression. Um, and I get a little bit, of, I get a little bit emotional talking about that because you never want to see anyone that you love going through a depressed state. And as someone, as watching someone that you love go through pain, you just want to fix them. You want to take the pain away. You, I, I just want to fix her and fix the issue. And I can't because the grieving process is a process. And I know that firsthand, like it's, it's not linear. It's not in six months time, you should be here in 12 months time. You should be here. It's day to day. It's moment to moment. It's hour to hour. There are times when you wake up of a morning in a grieving process and you feel great. And by lunchtime, you could be experiencing that severe depression again. Like it's so up and down. And I understand that, but so I'm trying to spend more time with my mum at the moment. And she's obviously, my mum has really bad knees. So she's on the waiting list to have knee replacements. And I had a conversation with her the other day about exploring. Um, she's waiting through the public system. And I said to her, listen, your birthday's coming up. I will pay for you to have two new knees done now whatever it costs, which I think the quotes are about seven to $10,000 a knee. And I said, why don't we make that your birthday present? If you're not going to get through on the public health waiting list sooner rather than later, let's get them done and I'll pay for it. She's very anti, anti that because she doesn't want me spending my money on, you know, her knees, but I see how much pain she's in. I see how much she struggles and I get very emotional watching her quality of life decline so rapidly because she is in so much pain. And I just think combined with what she's going through mentally at the moment with losing the dog, it's just so hard to watch. And I'm getting really emotional now. And I didn't mean to get emotional in this podcast. I'm just going to refresh myself but it's so hard to watch someone that you love go through any kind of pain, whether it be physical or mental. And I'm watching someone at the moment that I love go through mental and physical pain. One I can help with, one I can take away, but she's resistant to me paying for her knees to be operated on. So I have to respect that. I have to respect that. And do you know what? Like, obviously... Most of you guys out there, uh, obviously because this is called these or those 80s gays, I'm sure most of you out there listening will understand that as we get older, watching our parents decline is heartbreaking. Like it's so hard. It's such a hard process to watch. I'm very grateful that she's still here I just wish her quality of life was better mentally and physically at the moment, but it's unfortunately something I just have to deal with and support her as much as I can. Anyway, anyway, let's move on. I did um, go out. Oh, I'm getting, I just didn't realise I'd get so emotional in my podcast. Oh, that's supposed to be fun. 
excuse me. Um, I did go out to the RSPCA. Uh, I can't remember when. Was it Saturday? Anyway, I'd seen a, a puppy dog on there that I liked. He was an older blue staffy. Um, he was like seven years old, and I, like I really love blue staffies. So I went out to the RSPCA, and I saw this dog in its cage. He was lovely. So I went up to the counter and I said to the lady, I'd like to have a meeting with this dog. Like, how do we get him out? I'm obviously not just going to walk into his enclosure. How can we get him out? And I was so surprised at her reaction. She said to me, no, you need to apply online. We will then vet you contact you if we think you're appropriate and organize a time for you to come and meet and greet the dog. And I was really blown away and I was actually really pissed off. Listen, I understand there's processes involved in every adoption and things like that, but I was one of the only people in the RSPCA at this point. And they're always screaming that, you know, we've got too many animals. We've got too many animals. I couldn't believe she wouldn't assist me and basically told me to leave. Um, I said to her, well, can I do the application form now with you? And that way we can get the ball rolling and I could meet him while I'm here. And she said, no. I said, oh, okay. And then she started to say something and I just walked away. I thought, oh, okay, clearly not meant to be, not meant to be, not meant to be. I'm a big believer in like the universe gives you signs and tells you whether things were meant to be. So for whatever reason, that dog was not meant to be for me. So I ended up going to the Animal Welfare League, um, which I am much more of a supporter of the Animal Welfare League than the RSPCA. I had some, well, family members of mine had some bad experiences many, many years ago with the RSPCA. And I believe and this is my own opinion. It doesn't mean it's true or correct, but I believe the RSPCA is extremely um, driven by money. It's a business. I do believe they do good things, but I want to support the Animal Welfare League as much as I can. I've actually bequested some money in my will to the Animal Welfare League and I quite often donate to them on a monthly basis because I set aside some money in my monthly basis, my monthly budget to donate to certain charities. And most of the time it's the Animal Welfare League. I really feel like they're the underdog, no pun intended, of the animal charity world. They don't get the same amount of exposure as the RSPCA. They don't get the same level of sponsorship and donation, um, but they do just as good of a job, if not better. And I went to the Animal Welfare League after leaving the RSPCA and the lady, it was pouring rain and the lady was like, oh, we've only got one dog, but it's in a meet and greet at the moment, but hang around and we'll, we'll introduce you. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. So I'm standing there on this balcony while it's pouring rain with my little umbrella and she comes over and she says, okay, that meet and greet's over. Just give us a few minutes and we'll, we're just tidying a few things up and we'll come and get you. It was like 20 minutes later and I'm still standing there. I ended up just saying to the lady at reception, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go. So anyway, I left. I didn't meet the dog, but I feel like that's God's way of saying, you know, you're not meant to have a dog at the moment or the dog that is meant for you, you just need to wait a little bit longer for. So I feel like that was the universe giving me a sign that, you know, it wasn't the right 
day. It wasn't the right dogs. They weren't the right dogs, rah, 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 that kind of stuff. But I will continue to donate to the Animal Welfare League and I would strongly, strongly advocate that if you are going to do your will or you want to redo your will or anything like that, why don't you think about bequesting some money to the Animal Welfare League in your will because they do amazing things even if it's, you know, a small amount, like $1,000 or $10,000 or any amount, you know what? That's going to help so many animals. And it's every dollar goes such a long way when it comes to supporting charities like that. So if you choose the RSPCA, good for you. That's great. Honestly, have a think about bequesting some money in your will. You're not going to miss it because you're going to be gone. And you know what? It's going to be plenty of other money left for everyone else to take a bite out of when they get at your super and your assets and everything like that. So anyway, I wanted to take this moment to give you guys a very brief update on where I'm at. So very busy with work, like we mentioned, very busy looking after family, As I mentioned, I certainly didn't anticipate this podcast to get so deep and meaningful, but you know what? That's what's going on at the moment. So I've not been too far away from the old podcast land. There's a lot more to come and um, this is just a bit of a catch-up episode. So I'm going to leave it there and we're going to catch up next time and it's all going to be positive, 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 isn't it? Yes, it is. Is it Danny? Yes, it is. Anyway, thank you for listening. And if you follow me on Instagram at those 80s gays, you will get all the updates as to when the next episode comes. Make sure you follow me on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, hit that follow button. I don't care about reviews, but if you want to leave a review, that's great. I just want you to have a listen and get involved. But anyway, until next time, which will be very soon, I will talk to you then. I'm Danny P. Warner, and you have been listening to those 80s gays. Ciao!